Hello, welcome to Creative Conversations, the Tiger Spirit podcast, celebrating creativity in all its diverse forms. I'm your host, Yang Mei Ui. In this episode, my guest is relationship coach Sue Plumtree. Now, Sue calls herself the over 50s love specialist, and we'll be talking about creating a great life after 50. But before we go to Sue, um, there, if you want to watch a video slideshow with images and video of Sue in her daily life and showing a few of the, of the things that she and I will be talking about, um, you can do that by going to tigerspirit.co.uk and search for Sue Plumtree. Okay, let's get on with the show. Sue Plumtree, welcome to Creative Conversations. Hi, sweetie. How lovely for you to, to be there for me. I just love the way that you are just so warm and wonderful from the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, your marriage of many years came to an end when you were 60. That's right. For most people, this would have been devastating, but you were able to create a new life and a new business. So that's what I'm really interested about for our creative conversation today. Can you tell us how you were able to find, well, the courage and creativity to start again after 60? Okay, but I I do want to say that it was devastating for me as well, Mm -hmm. even though I was the one who initiated it. I think that is uh, important because otherwise it makes it sound like it was an easy thing to do, which it wasn't. Of course. Nevertheless, um, you're right. I spent most of my marriage in total denial Um, but when I left I was forced to do things that I'd never done before because um, Jim did everything around the house and all those kinds of techie stuff that I never had to bother with and now I had no option but to look after myself in all kinds of different ways so um, the way I went about creating a new life was a gradual process. It was a question of trying something because I absolutely had to, and then failing, and then trying again, and trying again, and then succeeding. And I'm going, oh my God, it worked. I was really (laughs) excited about that. Then something else had to be faced and confronted and overcome. And, um, Again, it was a question of trying and failing and trying and persisting. And then it worked. And so it was a question of um, discovering that I was more capable, more resourceful, more resilient, more creative than I ever imagined. And the day came when going from, oh, my God, this is so unlike me to, well, I guess this is who I am now. So making that transition from someone who was unhappy and, uh, and I think thank you for pointing out that it was difficult and devastating for you. Uh, and I guess for, for many people listening, it may be that they might be in a similar situation where they're feeling something's happened, some life-changing thing that's really, really difficult for them, whether mm. it's a divorce or something else. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine that you must have spent some time in a, a state of sadness and depression and grieving. Can you just touch a little bit on that? Yes, indeed. In fact, it took me just about two years before I finally 
um, healed, essentially. But the grieving period was actually rather interesting. I used to, um, because I, I don't know whether this is a, a, a British thing, people are uncomfortable around grief, around strong emotions. Um, but I was lucky in that um, I used to walk to work every day. And it, at that time of year, it was still dark and the streets were empty. And I would cry loudly all the way to the station without any embarrassment, uh, knowing that there was nobody there who would question me or worry about me or report me to the police or something. Um, and the relief in my body, it, it was amazing. So it was even every time I burst into tears unexpectedly, it wasn't deliberate, my body couldn't hold it in, literally. So in a way, you need, we need to be able to grieve, not to hold we it in, need, just to absolutely. let our body do what it needs to do. Yes, absolutely. It's the only way to move forward. And how, uh, do you remember, was there a particular moment or a period when you suddenly felt, or slowly felt, actually, I can, I can do this, I can survive this? Well, um, the way it actually happened, um, grief is very untidy and um, inconsistent. And one minute you're functioning perfectly okay, the next minute you burst into tears, you didn't even see it coming. And so I was measuring my recovery by the length of the episodes in between. They were getting gradually longer and longer. Um, and that was, and then one day I noticed that I hadn't cried for a very long time. Hmm. Um, so, and I, I do remember the very last one because I, I wrote a blog about it. I was waiting for the train to go and see my mom, who was incredibly supportive. And, um, and I wrote a blog about my feelings. And that was the very last time. Mm. And you mentioned that you did, you started doing different things, things that you thought you were not able to do. Mm. Could you just give us a few examples? <laughs> if I tell you, you think this is so bizarre. Things like changing light bulbs and fuses and, you know, I mean, such basic things that people do all the time. Definitely computer stuff, because um, Jim was the computer geek around the house. Um, but I, well, there, were, there are two sides to this. The first one is um, having to, to confront something and dealing with it. And the other one is trying and trying and just not being able to do it and asking for help. Right. And there was always somebody there who was willing to help. So and, so, and, and the, between discovering my own capability and the fact that I wasn't alone, contributed to my moving forward and growing. So I, I love that. So two aspects. You have to try for yourself. Have a yeah. go. Mm. Do it. And if you can't, don't worry about asking somebody else mm. for help. And your friends, family, people around you are there to help you. Well, that sometimes just strangers, a neighbor, any, any, any passerby, <laughs> anyone anywhere near me, help. <laughs> not. Yes, I'm not being embarrassed. I, I like that. Just to ask your neighbor or anybody, people out there. I think people are fundamentally kind, don't you think? People are fundamentally kind. But what you don't know is that 
anyone less inclined to ask for help would be difficult to find. I am the proverbial hero. Um, I, I had to project this image of being able to cope. I can handle everything. Thank you very much. I don't need any help. Um, and um, I learned the hard way that I do need help. And then people were there. But I'll tell you something else that was fascinating. After, because my relationships, not just my marriage, but my friendships too were rather lukewarm and superficial. But when I started showing my vulnerability, I started attracting the most amazing people because not needing anybody uh, is a surefire way of keeping love at bay. That is a wonderful way of putting it because if you don't need anybody then you don't need anybody for love, for anything. For exactly. friendship, you are just on your own, strong, a rock, a hero, but you don't need yeah, people, and people assume that I got it all sized up and then I, I didn't need them. And, and then, but, but they were actually willing and, and probably by opening your heart to them, they could open their hearts to you. Exactly. Absolutely spot on. Wonderful. So you were able to create a, a new life through, um, in just in your personal life, by doing these little things, changing light bulbs, asking strangers for help. But you also started a new business. Can you tell me more about that? Well, part of the reason I felt strong enough to leave my marriage of 37 years uh, was that I had been coached for a very long time. And that created the, the readiness for when I finally stopped being in denial, basically, and saw the emptiness, I felt able to, to take that step. And it was the fact that I had been coached and the changes that I experienced in every area of my life as a result of that, that inspired me to, to become a coach myself. So tell me a, a bit about um, what what kind of business you, you know, how, how you got the idea to start your coaching business and what was the spark that was, I'm going to be a relationship coach? Well, when I first started in, how long ago was that? 2007. Uh, it started with, I can help everybody, you know, anybody who is stuck, I'm your woman. Um, then I learned about you know, you have to be a bit more specific. <laughs> so the journey become, be, began for me to identify really what I was about. The relationship thing evolved over, a ser over time, essentially. Um, I've, I never became a couples coach. This is not my thing. What I do is I work with women over 50, usually women, uh, not exclusively, but usually women over 50. Um, who, are, who want to be happier, who want to improve their relationships, who might actually be single and looking for a partner uh, and not know how to recognize the right person. Because one of the things that I know, and people don't know that, is um, I, re I remember when a, a friend was talking about her daughter and saying that the relationship was not going to last. Uh, and I said, you know, how long have they been together? Oh, it's been a couple of years. And I said, well, you know, next time she will choose better, I said. And she replied, the problem is that by the time you realize you chose the wrong person, you're far into the relationship. And I thought, that's actually not necessarily true at all. You can know 
almost, you know, within the very first few meetings, actually. But there have to be certain things in place first. The first one is you really have to know yourself way before you meet anybody. You need to know what your deepest needs and wants are, what you need in order to be happy in a relationship. Most people go out with somebody because they have a good laugh. They kind of figure out that they are the same sign of the zodiac or something, or they have many things in common, but they don't think about the fundamentals. Things like, um, you know, choices about finance. You know, are you a saver? Are you a spender? For example, if you are too far apart in your views on that alone, uh, you will be regarded as a miser, a cheapskate, if you are inclined to save, or as somebody who is irresponsible if they are inclined to spend, in which case they are going to judge each other. So you're saying actually looking at more deeper things like values rather than interests because you could have the same interests you could both like i don't know playing badminton but actually fundamentally if you have but there's only only one thing another one is the need to be loved which mine is very very strong having not had much of that when i was married and now i feel you know i need to catch up but there are people who cherish their freedom more And so if they want to spend time with their mates more and I want them to spend time with me more, then unless we can compromise, we are go- one person is going to feel that they're trying to control them and the other one is going to feel unloved and lonely. So there are, you know, it's more than values. Um, things around um, power, for example. If you are a control freak, and want to make all the decisions and ignore your choices, then you're going to feel that, you know, unimportant and uncared for in your relationship. If you are not consulted, if you don't care, then that's fine. But if you both headstrong, you're going to be butting heads all the time and there will be conflict. So there are choices there to be made that you need to recognize. I knew, I recognized Paul, who actually is my soulmate, but pretty much in the early days, by the way, he talked about other people. Sometimes you will find that you meet somebody and they treat you like a princess and talk about other people like they are stupid and a waste of space. And I'm here to tell you that sooner or later they will treat you the way they treat other people. So don't be blinded. So pay attention to the clues. Mm. You know. So it's, it sounds like you have brought your experience, your wisdom th- from going through the tough times that you had, mm. from experiencing your um, difficult marriage, and also knowing joy and, and, um, and, and a love for life and all those things intermingled. You brought your experience to creating your business as yes. a relationship coach. Well, both creating my relationship and at the same time creating my business. Because what I I do is I I look at my relationship and I am fascinated by how well it works. And I want to understand why, given my past experience. And then when I figure it out, 
And I then research whether I'm a unique example or whether there is a foundation to it. Then I write about it and share and use it in my coaching, in my writings, in my talks. I just use everything that I learn. Great. So now this this moves us nicely along to my next question, which is um, you um, have uh, written a number of books um, uh, and uh, can you tell us more about those books and, and what is your latest book? Well, my latest book is the one I love the most. It's called Open Your Heart, The Seven Secrets of Strong and Loving Relationships. It's on Amazon and it's getting five-star reviews. Wow. So I'm thrilled to bits with that. But it's everything that I've learned. I've poured myself inside out into that book. Everything I am, everything I've experienced, the good, the bad, the indifferent. And I'm now on the other side and I can share what I've learned. Because the difference between my readers and me is that I've been there and now I'm on the other side and I share what I've learned. So It's um, like you have a wonderful, generous spirit to share. Oh, thank you for that. Share your experience and to help others. Um, now, you also have an adventurous spirit. Um, <laughs> let age stop you trying new things. I love <laughs> Let me tell you my most favorite one of all. <laughs> with, with, that was in um, November 2015. My flatmate um, suggested that we go to Turkey on a paragliding holiday. <laughs> and how old were you at that time? 70! I was 70. 70th birthday, off you went paragliding. You were amazing. T- t- tell me more about that. But it took me five seconds, five seconds to say yes. And um, it was just absolutely awesome. I, I discovered that there were three kinds of people who wanted to go paragliding. People who got there got terrified of the experience and backed out. People who were terrified and did it anyway. And then people like me who just went for it. <laughs> and, they, oh, and, and I remember um, it, where I was standing, it was flat and I couldn't see anything other than people just flying off, which was awesome. Then suddenly as I was waiting, somebody came, put the harness on me, pushed me and I went, oh shit. And then up we went. <laughs> And it was the most glorious experience ever. I think I, I sent you a picture. Yes, now, um, just for our, the benefit of our listeners, just to remind you, we have a terrific video of Sue plummeting through the air, l- laughing and looking like she's having the time of her life. And that video is um, on the show, pay, uh, show notes page of this uh, podcast. And uh, just to remind you, you can see that uh, video slideshow uh, at tigerspirit.co.uk. And if you plug in Sue's name, Sue Plumtree in the search box that will take you to to that um, page. Um, so yet you have to see that video. It's terrific. <laughs> okay, but uh, there are other things that I did. Uh, and, and it was, I am a volunteer. I run a U3A group for those of you who don't know what U3A stands for. It's the University of the Third Age and it's for people over 50. And I run the group, uh, the Life Enhancing Group. 
and it's been going for almost five years. And then one day I thought it would be really good fun to try something different. And I started a group called Come Lunch With Me. And, um, and that's how I actually made Paul. Okay, but before we get to the romantic love story, okay. just tell me a bit more about this Come Lunch With Me. Well, um, because I, one of the things that I absolutely love is cooking. And I love cooking for myself. I am one of those people who cook for myself. You know, so many people who live alone go, oh, I can't be bothered. It's just me. And I'm going, what do you mean? Just you? It's you. And you deserve the best. So I love to cook from scratch. I want you to know, which is great fun. And I love also to cook for friends. It's a way of me showing that I love them. And one of my greatest compliments is if I meet somebody and I really enjoy their company and I really feel connected with them, I invite them over and I will cook something special for them. And I have to admit to our listeners, I am one of those few people. My partner and I, Angie, we were invited by Sue to lunch at her place. And, and yummy, yummy, yummy. It was wonderful. I'm so glad you loved it. <laughs> And so I, what I love, Sue, about your energy is that you just go and do something and you think, well, OK, I love to cook. Um, I want to um, enjoy the company of other people. Let me just start a group um, and, and have people come and have lunch with me. I think that's just so brilliant. Well, the way it works is um, we take it in turns. So one person cooks the main meal, for example, if it's my turn, it's in my flat. And then somebody will bring pudding and somebody else will bring um, uh, some the drinks. And then we rotate. And then next time it's in somebody else's home. And then they do the main meal and I do the pudding. and somebody else brings it. And so we go round and round that way. It's yeah, so great. it's like a community, it's friendship, it's everybody mucks in. Exactly. It's good fun. And so through this group, you met the love of your life recently uh, at age 70? Yes, darling. It's no longer recent. As of today, it's two years, five months and eight days. Wow. So you are now (laughs) 73-ish. Is that right? No, well, well into 73. (laughs) Um, So I just love this because it's, you know, not too late for anyone. Um, So so tell me about this wonderful romantic um, relationship. Well, it is absolutely extraordinary, really. Um, It started, well, the first thing is, I went into my marriage for all the wrong reasons. So um, when I first met Paul, the very first time, I I thought that he looked better than just two arms, two legs. (laughs) But I, I found afterwards myself smiling for no reason at all, which was really great because um, it was, um, I didn't realize I'd actually fallen in, in love. Oh. But um, it took me, at the beginning, it was, I really, really began to like him. And I believe with all my heart in, that you have to like that person. And I remember a little bit, a few weeks into um, the relationship, he was a bit worried about um, inviting the people of the uh, lunch club 
to his place when it was his turn because um, his living circumstances were rather unorthodox. And the, the reason he worried was he didn't want me to change my mind about him if I saw how he lived. And I told him, not a chance in hell, in hell because I'm deeply in like with you. <laughs> and it was true. You know, I really respected and liked the person he was. And, there, and the rest kind of followed. Mm. And so in terms of some of the things that we started talk, this podcast uh, talking about, about relationships, the things that are important to have, um, would you be willing to share a couple of those things that you and Paul um, uh, share together that, that you know, uh, are an example of whether it's values or, um, you know, around power or, uh, or, or communication or, or whatever? Okay, there's, there's a couple of things that makes us a little bit different, is that we are the living apart together kind of couple. Um, and somebody might say, oh, well, um, that makes it easy because every time you meet, it's, it's novelty. And to some extent, it's true, but you can insert that kind of novelty into a marriage, however long you've been together. All you need is to be aware and plan for it, and yes, you, you can plan for it. But in our case, it is um, because when we see each other again, we make a big deal out of it. So that's number one. Number two is we really accept each other as we are. And so when we disagree about anything, with, with Jim, I was, I, I felt the need to make it clear that I was right and he was wrong. With, with Paul, it's completely different. When we disagree, I want, I'm curious to find out why. And so we, get to, we, we, we learn more about each other, maybe an aspect that we didn't know before. And so we keep getting to know one another and deepen um, our relationship that way. And we have some great conversations. That's really interesting because I think for, for, for me and I think for most um, couples and in fact, um, you know, in families, um, when you argue, somebody has to be right because that's how we learnt from maybe our parents or from people around us. Mm. Um, that's how you have an argument. But what you're saying is that actually there's a different way to approach disagreement. Um, so what, how do you, this, how do you, this is because this is, I, I'm quite hot headed. Um, so when, when I'm arguing with someone, um, and particularly my partner, Angie, um, I get all heated up and I have to be right. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, you know, we, we find our own way through it, but I'm just curious around your way of how do you then um, take a step back and go, oh, take a breath and actually. Let I don't need to. And this is the interesting thing with, I spent nearly 30 years working on myself and learning um, from, from reading, but mostly from being coached because I was coached a very, very long time. Um, I, I have reached a space where I don't have to prove anything anymore. I know who I am and I accept other people being different and I don't need to judge them because, you know, I'm flawed and so if I'm flawed, I'm, you know, it's okay for them to be flawed as well. So I, I just, um, I don't need to anymore. 
That's wonderful. I like that. So, Sue, um, what advice do you have um, for our listeners, um, especially women over 50 who may be facing life-changing circumstances like divorce or other crises, coming out of all that we've talked about? Um, I'm sure our listeners would be eager to, to hear some, um, some tips and, and ideas. Oh, thank you for asking me that. I really hoped you would. <laughs> okay, if you have experienced loss of whatever kind, Please, please take time to grieve and heal. So many people will, you know, turn to another relationship almost as a knee-jerk reaction. And that's never a very good idea. Figure out what you need in your life to be happy, what you need in a relationship to be happy. That's really important. Then you also have to um, find out either by observation or by asking what your partner needs to feel that you love him. That's really important because we make assumptions. We love the way we love because that's how we learn to love. But it might not land and the other person might not uh, recognize it as love, which is how it was in my marriage. He didn't feel love. I'll give you an example. I needed to be listened to. It's one of my most fundamental needs to feel loved is I need Paul to to listen to me without um, judging me. In case of of, um, uh, Jim, he needed me to acknowledge him. But because I didn't get what I needed, I couldn't acknowledge him. So we both felt unloved. That is so interesting, isn't it? Because we bring what we assume that that person wants um, and actually you end up over the years. So mm-hmm. you, in the first instance, you may make, you know, you may do something like that and then they don't, they don't appreciate it. But it sounds like with you and Paul, you actually talk about it. Yes. Whereas if you don't talk about it, it builds up and it builds up. And over 30 years, you become entrenched in the bad, bad way of relating. That is so, so wise, you know. And, but you learn from experience, don't you, so having gone through difficult times. When you figure out what you need to be happy in your life and in your relationship, because the two are not necessarily the same thing, write it down, figure it out, don't censor yourself, don't edit yourself, don't tell yourself that it's unrealistic to want this. Just write from the heart and see what is really true for you. We now live longer than we ever lived before, 20, 30 years longer than our great-grandparents did. So it's really important that you feel good about yourself, that you take the time to get to know yourself, to get to like yourself, to get to love yourself, to get to trust yourself, and more importantly, to get to respect yourself. Because if you don't, Why should anybody else? Hmm. So all of these things are absolutely critical to building a relationship that is loving and respectful of each other and that is reciprocal. You know, because in so many, far too many relationships, there will be one partner that gives and gives and gives and gets very little back. And as a result, they feel exhausted, overwhelmed and resentful. And love dies in a situation like that. 
So you have to find a relationship that is reciprocal. And if you are in a relationship now where you don't get what you need, all is definitely not lost. Because first, figure out what you need so that you can then have a conversation with your partner and learn the skill where you ask for what you need and want in such a way that they can hear you. And that is a skill. And then also ask for what they need and want in a relationship to feel loved. So you might need to get to know each other all over again. Oh, that is so beautiful because, isn't it, we, um, we, we think that actually it's what I want, I want this, I want that, you need to change, you need to do this, blah, 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 blah. But actually what you're saying is it's a reciprocal partnership, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. What do they want? What do you want too? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, if you are the one who is unhappy, then you are the one that needs to take the initiative, by which I mean you need to change yourself, as I said earlier about getting to know and love and respect yourself, but you also need to uh, learn to communicate in such a way that uh, makes it um, easy for them not to become defensive. Mm. So all these things, because they will never change. I can guarantee that you are the only one who can. Mm. And so you can help them to hear what you need and also then take the time to hear what they need. Absolutely. It's critical. Um, But you see, there's something even more important, and that is happiness is not a luxury. It is something so fundamentally critical, A, for you to be happy as an individual, then to be happy as a couple. Because when you are, it affects your health and your well-being more than you ever realized. Because when you don't like yourself or trust yourself, your confidence will be low, You will um, not be willing to ask for what you need. You will feel resentful. And all these things, you will worry, you will feel anxious. Your self-esteem will be low. You know, your mental and your emotional health will be damaged. When you are happy and fulfilled individually and as a couple, you also influence your environment. So you know the saying, uh, misery likes company. Well, happiness likes company too. And it affects your your children, your partner, your family, your friends. And then it grows bigger because when you touch people, they go on to touch other people. The, The ripple effect kicks in. And so you being happy can affect way beyond your own life and relationships. It's critical. It's wonderful. So this is a perfect uh, place for me to ask you my uh, last big question. Um, You mentioned um, uh, uh, that we are living longer and longer. You're now 73. You are spreading happiness um, for yourself and where you can for others. What lies ahead for you, Sue Plumtree? Well, darling, you might like to know, I'm planning my next book. Mm Mm-hmm. And my next book is a project that at at the moment it's called Happy Couples Tell Their Story. Mm. 
And what I was thinking is for the last two years, I've been writing about my relationship with Paul, what works and why and all that kind of stuff. And it occurred to me that mine isn't the only way. I want to give other couples, happy couples, a voice. So uh, you might like to, to know that I'm looking for couples who are currently happy. They may not have been happy in the early days, but are happy now and have been together for at least 20 years. And I want to hear the story, what they learned along the way, um, what attracted them to each other, what went wrong, their losses, their gains, and their lessons along their journey. Because I would like them to inspire other people who might think that if they're reaching the end of their line and I want them to know, no, there is hope and this is how we did it. And you might like to try this or that or the other. And my approach is a questionnaire that I have developed. It's only 15 questions, but they require reflection. And it occurs to me that sometimes that reflection uh, reinforces the love that you have for each other. And, um, and th that is the experience of some people who have completed the forms already. And the forms also give time for people to think about it rather than an interview might. So that's my approach. And anyway, if you are interested, then um, contact me and we'll have a chat first to find out more about, you know, the questionnaire, what I'm after, what might be in for you, um, which is helping other people, and the free copy or signed free copy of my book. Uh, my contact detail, is it okay to say? Yes, I, that was going to be my next thing. If, okay. if people want to contact you, find out more about you, find out how they can take part in the Happy Couples Project, yes. where would they go, Sue? Okay, please contact me on my email, which is sue at sueplumtree.com. But you can also contact me by text or uh, on my mobile, which is 07903-795-027. I would love to hear from you. <laughs> and what about your website? What's your website address? It's www.sueplumtree.com and I would urge everyone to go along um, and even if you don't want to contact or you know it's not the right time to contact Sue direct by email or phone um, but please do if you do want to do that uh, but go to her website because she's got a great blog and you can see lovely pictures of her wonderful smiling face um, and pictures of her and Paul um, and, uh, uh, and also some uh, get more information about her books. May I add one other thing? Please do. Okay, on my website, you will find a free ebook called Become Confident and Fabulous Relationships Will Follow. Yeah. If you download it, you will also go on my list and receive weekly blogs and pearls of wisdom along the way. Wonderful. Um, Sue Plumtree, thank you very much for being part of Creative Conversations. Thank you. Now, for, um, if you, uh, uh, for our listeners, if you want to uh, check out some of the links to the things that we talked about, go to tigerspirit.co.uk, uh, that's my website, and search for Sue Plumtree and the show notes page will come up. 
So thank you to my guest, Sue Plumtree, and her website again is www.sueplumtree.com. Creative Conversations is a Tiger Spirit podcast conceived and presented by me, Yang Mei Ui. You can find me on Facebook, and the short link for that is bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, forward slash Tiger Spirit Facebook. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Tiger Spirit UK. And you can find this and other Creative Conversations podcasts at tigerspirit.co.uk. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. <laughs>